Welcome to the 50th episode of the EV Diaries. Can you believe it? Number 50. I am Ben. I am a distribution engineer for a rural cooperative in southeastern Kentucky. And this is the podcast where we discuss electric vehicles and their role in small town America. And this podcast is basically what is Ben learning. I've talked about things that are interesting to me, what I'm learning, made some recommendations because I don't own an EV but I am in the market for an EV. I've had exposure to not only a Chevy Volt, I've had a little bit of exposure to a Chevy Bolt, and I have been on projects to install uh, some Tesla superchargers and three level two chargers at some hotels on our cooperative system. I was thinking, 50 episodes, what are the five biggest takeaways that I could share with you in one little nugget? And I know that some of you have been with me since the first episode, and gosh, that that just is humbling, and, and oh, I thank you so much. If you're new to the podcast, you're just tuning in, hey, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I hope you give me a couple of listens. I'm sure I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but that's all right. Uh, some people drink coffee. Touch. Um, anyway, top five takeaways that I have that I th- didn't know. Well, yes, I did know. I had an idea, but really, once I got into it, that I think are super important, um, especially in this discussion when you're looking at rural America and trying to get people to adopt EVs. First thing is battery health is key for the longevity of the car. And that is, duh. I mean, you can't expect to abuse your battery and your car lasts a long time. Same way with an internal combustion engine, you can't expect to abuse that motor and expect your car to last. It's just not going to happen. So you have to take care of your battery. And in previous episodes, I've talked about the 80-20 rule for charging, which uh, you can't see it. I'm doing air quotes and I'm talking with my hands. I'm gesturing. But anyway, getting back to it, for optimal battery health, all the data seems to indicate that if you never get below 20% of charge and never exceed 80% of charge, and I, I said never, like that's, a, they're not absolutes, I'm sorry. If you typically can stay between 80, or 20% of charge and 80% of charge, it's going to help extend the life of your battery. Now, if you need the extra range, charge to 100%. But whatever you do, please don't discharge your battery all the way down to zero. But the good thing is, a lot of cars have battery management systems, and they've got buffer zones that will not allow you to overcharge or fully discharge. And that is put in place by the manufacturer to protect the battery, to extend that life. Because let me tell you, all these cars come with an 8 to 10 year warranty, 100,000 miles on the battery. I mean, that's, that's typical. These guys really don't want to be handing out free batteries. They don't want to be replacing cars. So they're doing everything they can, can to at least provide that to you when you buy an EV. But if you can take care of the battery and, and nurse it and operate 
in that 80 to 20 range, it's going to extend your life. Now, I right now drive a 2005 Mini Cooper, and I talk a lot about my Mini Cooper because I just love my car. Trouble is, my car is sort of in hospice at this point. Um, it's it's reached the end of its usable life, and I'll probably hang on to the car, and I'll probably restore it and fix it back up because, like I said, I love my car. But I got really excited when the Mini E was announced. I got really discouraged when I found out it only has a 110-mile battery on it. So operating between this 80 and 20, that's only going to give me 60 miles a day, roughly, to operate. I guess, technically, if you do the math, 66. And I know, depending on how you drive or this, that, and other, that range is going to go up and down. But that's just what the EPA rated it as, is 110. I cannot operate on 60 miles a day. I, my typical commute, drive, all my running around that I do in a day, somewhere between 75 and 100 miles a day. Uh, well, I should say Monday through Thursday, the weekends, it's sort of, you, you never can tell what's going to go on in the weekend. But my typical drive is, like I said, between 75 and 100 miles. So for me to operate such a limited range car, I'm going to have to be able to charge at work, which the good thing is I can charge at level one at work. Um, so does that make this small battery viable for me? Um, it does. Does it make it practical? Well, we're still weighing the pros and cons, and I'm sure that if you continue listening, we're going to weigh more pros and more cons. I'm just, um, but we'll save that for another day. Battery health is key. You want to take care of your battery. There's ways to do it, and that brings me to. Takeaway number two, DC fast charging is not as bad for the health of the battery as I once thought it was. Uh, DC fast charging, if you're not familiar with EVs, is a rapid charge, and this is what, what people are, are wanting, is to be able to roll up and charge your battery as quickly as possible. And... There's experimentation all around the world with making these chargers faster and better. But the thing is, the manufacturer of the car limits how fast the car can charge. Um, and DC fast charging is actually harder than your level one, level two charger, which charges much slower. We're talking hours as opposed to minutes. And that's part of the reason that EVs haven't been so widely adopted because people don't understand charging. And I have, I hope, in our discussions here, have, have hoped to clarify some of this. But one of the things that I was always afraid of is if DC fast charging just absolutely frying the battery. And we're finding out it's not, not that way. It's, it is more harmful than level one, level two charging, but you've got to realize that 90% of your charging is going to be done at level one, level two at home. So, you know, you'll use DC fast charging on road trips, which makes it necessary to have fast charging capabilities, and it makes it necessary to have the infrastructure. But to be honest, I was afraid to use a DC 
fast charger too much. Research has um, has been out there that has shown that, yeah, it's a little more detrimental, but it's not nearly as bad as I was led to believe originally. And it's not something you want to do every day. But occasionally, it's just like the 80-20 rule. If you need that extra range, charge your battery up to 100% every once in a while. But if you want it to last longer, don't do it every day. Same thing DC fast charging. If you want it to last longer, don't do it every day. And the reason that DC fast charging is so bad brings me to point number three, and that is heat is public enemy number one when it comes to your battery. The DC fast charging causes your battery to heat up more than level one or level two charging does. Also, hotter climates are harder on your battery than cooler climates. Now, weather does play a lot of factors into this. And people in the north that have EVs, they can tell you that, yeah, when it's cold, you're losing range. So cold is inconvenient, but it's not detrimental. When the battery warms up, your, your range comes back. But when it comes to heat, if your battery gets too hot, you start that degradation process that occurs naturally. You're speeding that up. The good thing is a lot of cars have battery management systems, liquid cooling that help dissipate that heat, that help protect that battery. But not all of them do. So if you're in the market for a car and you're in a hotter climate, then you want to look for something that's that's probably liquid cooled and has got a, a good battery management system. Now for me, in Kentucky, we have four seasons, and I've made the joke several times that we might have them all in one week. Just to give you an idea, two days ago it was 70 degrees, and right now it's 23 degrees and snowing. So uh, we went from summer to winter, well actually we went from spring to winter in a matter of a few hours. Just know that if you can get a battery management system, if you get a battery that's liquid-cooled, it's just, you're going to pay more for it, obviously. Um, it's just like any other bells and whistles on a car, but it is going to help maintain the life of the car. Takeaway number, I think that was three. That's one, two, three, four. Takeaway number four. Most people are EV curious, but they are really, really skeptical. And I am telling you, around here in rural Kentucky, just the thought of having an EV that is not a Tesla, that has a 300-mile battery, people, people just can't wrap their heads around it. They do not understand why anybody would want to do that. Well, let me tell you, the biggest reason is that when you're using electricity instead of gasoline, where I live, you're only paying about three cents a mile. Now, the best I can do out of my Mini Cooper is seven and a half cents a mile. And when you start looking at some of these big F-150s, actually, you know, I think we got more F-250s than these big Silverados, um, which, you know, are necessary in rural America. I mean, there's farm work, there's this, that, and other. You got to pull your bass boat. Come on. But when you look at the mileage on some of these cars, 
man, we, we've got more Tahoes and Suburbans than you can shake a stick at. When you start looking at mileage, you know, you're getting 17, 18 miles to the gallon. Then you turn around and you look at an EV, man, you're saving so much money. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. If you want to do the math on your own car, go to the gas station, fill it up, see how much it costs, see how much range you got, do the math, divide the dollar amount by the number of miles you're going to get out of it, and that's how much it costs to operate a mile. If you can get down to three cents, you've got yourself a very efficient car. You should hang on to that. Share the technology. But a lot of people around here, they just EVs or, they, you know, that's, that's city cars. They're electrified golf carts, you know. They're thinking the smart car with a cord hanging out of the back of it or a Tesla. I mean, there's no in-between. I can tell you the Tesla Cybertruck around here. A lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. But they're used to having their their Chevys and their Dodges and their Fords and Tesla trucks completely new. But that's another discussion. I'm here to tell you that I firmly believe that you can operate an EV in small-town America and save a ton of money. If you're on a cooperative, you're helping keep your neighbor's rates low because... It's called beneficial electrification. I don't know who coined that term, but it's uh, it's basically the electric company is selling more kilowatt hours, and in turn, that allows them to keep rates low or lower than they would if they had less. You see, we, we went through this whole thing of energy efficiency with appliances, and energy-efficient appliances are great. But the trouble is, for a cooperative, well, for any utility, you've got overheads. And lucky for us, as a cooperative, we don't have shareholders. But if you're a public company, a public utility, you have shareholders, or I should say a publicly traded utility. I mean, because, you know, you do have uh, munis, as we call them, which is municipal, provided by city government. That Anyway, they're, they're part of the, the government organization in in the town but we have a certain amount of overhead and if we're selling less product but we're still outpaying the or outlaying the same amount in overhead then we have to raise rates to make up the difference or we you know we we have to find cost cutting somewhere or we have to raise prices that's simple economics so if you can buy an electric car and operate an electric car and you live in small town America, you're helping keep your rates low. I know it's it's roundabout discussion, it's roundabout thinking, but you're still you gotta keep in mind, you're operating that for less than what you can operate a gasoline car for. You're saving on the maintenance of the vehicle. I mean there's no more oil changes. Think about that. Still got to buy tires, still got to buy brakes, but there's no more oil changes. And all of this comes back to the biggest thing that I have learned in the past few months, over 50 episodes, is that too many people have got this gas pump mentality. They don't understand how an EV operates. They don't understand that you're basically filling your car up every night. You're not going to the gas station every three days and, and filling your car up. You know, you're just going to the gas station, essentially, 
which is, you know, your charger that's in your garage every night. Now, I understand that um, for some people, like apartment dwellers, you might not have a garage, you might be able to have a charger. Charging might be a challenge for you. I, I get that. But for most people, small town America, they can pull in their garage, plug their car in, the next morning they get up, they're ready to go. And I think I heard it best. This is not my original idea, and I think it was on a podcast, uh, maybe uh, EB Musings podcast. I'm, I'm not sure, uh, but I read it or heard it somewhere and said, basically, having an EV is like using a smartphone. Um, how many people, which, you know, we, we all have our phones, but how inconvenient would it be? If you had a smartphone and, you know, your smartphone would stay charged for a week, but then you had to go to the store that you bought it at and wait there for them to charge your phone, but then you were good for another week. And that's basically how an internal combustion engine works. We go to the gas station maybe once a week um, or more frequently, like I do. I go about every three days. You fill the car up, you're good for 300 miles, but then you have to go back to the gas station. Same thing, you know, cell phone, we charge it every night. And that's basically the way we're going to operate this car is you're going to charge it every night. But people cannot, they don't understand or they're not getting that. They're still thinking, I need an EV that's got 4,000 miles of range in it because I'm afraid I'm going to get somewhere and get stuck. Well, guess what? You can get out, run out of gas, too. And what happens when you run out of gas? Well, I guess you can buy a gas can or hitchhike or however, get come back with some gas. If your battery goes dead in an EV, I guess you're towing somewhere that you can charge it. Or you're <laughs> knocking on the neighbor's door there asking to plug into their wall outlet uh, for a few hours. It's, uh, you know, but the people... They, they do, and I mean, we saw that in the last episode when I was talking about what people want. They, they want a, a $20,000 car that's got three or 400 miles worth of range, and you don't need three or 400 miles of range. You need enough range to get you through your daily routine, and then if you're going to use the car for road trips, you know, enough to get you to the next charging station where you can charge and go on. But people people just have not picked up on that concept. You're charging it every night, just like your cell phone. You don't have to go to the Apple store and wait a few minutes while they charge your phone and then go back the next week. Shoot, my closest Apple store is an hour and a half away. But I think that is one of the biggest obstacles to EV adoption that I have seen in doing all my research and, and reading and everything is just this gas pump mentality. And I think once that we can convince people that the EVs operate differently, that they're, like I said, they're more like your cell phone as far as charging goes, operating, that people won't be as, as reluctant Maybe that gets rid of some of that skepticism that I talked about. Guys, 
50 episodes, like I said, if you've been here from the beginning, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're new, you know, give me a chance. Um, listen to a couple episodes. Every once in a while, there's a, a nugget of good stuff. Hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date. Drop me an email, ben at evdiaries.com. You can find me on social, but to be honest, I'm most active on Instagram, and I've not posted anything on Instagram probably a couple of weeks now. The EV revolution is here. The future is bright, and it is going to be a great ride. Thank you all again. Mm-hmm.